and welcome to the Who Are You Wearing podcast with me, Kiri Pritchard-McLean. I am a stand-up comedian who started a podcast just so I could legitimately ask my friends and heroes where they got the clothes from and just pretend it was for work. This week, I get to chat to National Treasure Waiting and in my house already, Joe Lysett. Joe is so funny in this episode, as you expect from a stand-up comedian, um, but we have a really interesting chat about evolving styles and gender in relation to clothes, and it turns out that I am a low-key creep who has a better memory of what Joe has worn than he has, not worrying at all. This is actually one of the earliest episodes we recorded in April of 2021. Joe was at home in Birmingham, and I was cross-legged on the floor of my walk-in wardrobe in Wales. That sounds like a like a tongue twister, doesn't it? Like a vocal warm-up. Uh, walk-in wardrobe in Wales. Anyway, I was desperate to chat to Joe as soon as we um, we decided we were going to do this podcast because obviously, between hosting Sewing Bee and having an incredible connection to the best costume designer in the world and fur coats, <laughs> there's plenty to chat about. So let's ask Joe Lysett, who are you wearing? I think the first thing that uh, kind of I got excited about in terms of clothing was um, the trainers that would light up <laughs> a little. Every time you stepped, you'd get like a little firework display from your feet. And I remember just thinking that they were the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life. And so uh, absolutely wanted a pair of those. And they were really cool. I, I also wanted some wheelies, but my parents never allowed me to get any of those. But I would still like some wheelies because I think they'd be really fun. But I think I'd break my legs these days. Um, so it was more footwear that I was interested in than anything else. I wasn't that extravagant as a... a as a as a child i don't i think i dressed up like any other kid but i didn't have my style was just sort of what mum bought me which is generally sort of you know nice tops and joggers and you know stuff that kids wear really so i wasn't i wasn't particularly interested in fashion and and, and wasn't really in most of my um like teens and beyond really i didn't worry i don't think i worried too much about what i was wearing i was quite happy with a shirt and a jacket, like boys wear. <laughs> um, did you have, speaking of shoes, Did you, I don't know if they had boys had them, but there was a pair when I was growing up, because we we're about the same age, where there was a key that went into the bottom of the shoe that would you turn and a little sort of cartoon would happen and then it would open up something which would have a toy inside. And, oh, my God, those are the shoes to have. No, I did not. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I want some of those. Yeah, yeah. He keep all your secrets in there, or at least a um, an eighth of resin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I had lots of secrets back then. Okay. Ooh, let's just have a look in my shoe. Put the key in, open it up. Oh, you're a little queer lad. Pop that back. Get that back in the shoe. <laughs> Pop it back in your immaculate shoe. <laughs> <laughs> no one will know. So your so your mum's is dressing you in sort of. For me, your sense of style. You said that she she makes stuff for you. Has she always been like handy with a sewing machine? Because I know you live with Jenny, didn't you? Who is obviously an incredible creative clothes. Was that something yeah. that was around? Were, were, were people like the women, especially in your life, making clothes? Not when I was growing up. I don't think Mum had loads of time to do that. She'd do bits of fixing, you know, like uh, uh, trousers, um, school trousers or whatever, if they need bringing up and stuff. So she was always, she, was, she could do it, but she just uh, didn't because 
she didn't have the time. She sews a lot more now, as does my sister. And my sister made me an amazing shirt for the Sewing Bee um, second series I did of it. Um, in fact, she kept some of the material over and made this cushion for me. Which I is... remember that shirt. It's gorgeous. It's so cool, yeah, it's sort of like it? a multicolored camo. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing fabric. So, um, so yeah, both mum and sis, my sister Beth are, are keen sewers and and make a lot of stuff these days because mum's retired now so she's got the time but yeah uh, not when I was growing up it wasn't around loads but I did have this strange um or do have this strange link now with my other mother I have three mothers there's Jenny who I live with in London and then Jane who was our next door neighbor when I was a kid and um Jenny is yeah this costume designer but she would interesting she she would be um she wouldn't describe what she does as uh, anywhere near fashion. She doesn't. She's not interested in fashion. She says, um, she she uses costume to tell stories. So it's all about story to her and what does it say about the character. It's not about fashion and what's in vogue. It's about I suppose what that character would see as the fashion of that time or what they want to wear in either going along mm. with the fashion of that era or whatever. I mean, she is. The, the work that she's done, she's just done, um, oh, she did it a while ago, it's just coming out, um, the Cruella film um, uh, <gasps> for Disney. She did all the costumes for that and just, she just steps it up and up and you, up. Because Jenny's won an Oscar, hasn't she, for her Two, her she's for, a double Oscar two. winner, multiple BAFTAs, Emmys, got a, has she got a Golden Globe? She's surely got a Golden Globe. She's got a lot, basically. She's amazing. She's so cool. I, I asked her. I asked her when I won because I won two RTS awards this year. No big deal. I asked. Her, I te- as soon as I found out I'd won, I texted her and asked her to remove the clutter from the mantelpiece so that I could put my awards on. Uh, has she ever made anything for you? Oh, I don't think she's made anything, but she's she's always very helpful with stuff. So she'll always give guidance, and particularly if I've got a wedding to go to or something and I want to look nice, she'll always help there. Um, and she is just very good at knowing like the right cut for things and stuff. I'd love her to be my like kind of style, go-to style guide, but she's so busy and, you know, <laughs> she's busy dressing Emma Stone and <laughs> uh, Emma, Emma Thompson and all of these Hollywood stars. She's not interested in me. <laughs> well, as a kid growing up, because um, it sounds like you were just sort of like wearing whatever was went your way. Were you ever made to, made to wear anything that you hated? I never liked wearing um, school stuff. I always hated and still do to this day, hate any formal wear, really. Um, even if I can camp it up and make it sort of glittery or whatever, I don't. I wear jackets on stuff because I sort of have to. But I don't like wearing a suit. It just immediately makes me feel like I'm back in school and having to be told what to do. So, um, and ties. What is a tie? What is the point of a tie? <laughs> I find them irksome. And uh, yeah, so I'll always try and wear a T-shirt with a jacket if I can get away with it. I do not like a tie. They always look messy. And I just always end up looking like someone who sort of works in middle management in a service station on the M40. <laughs> and I just, it's not... It's not the vibe I'm going for, Kerry. So um, never into that. Never never liked that. Um, but beyond that, I'm kind of open to everything. And I'd like to be more adventurous than I am, but I, I don't put as much time into it as I'd like because um, I, you know, I want to look cool, but I also don't want to spend any time on it. <laughs> 
Well, I was when I think of you and and what you wear, it's cool, but it's it, I wouldn't be like, and he's so on trend. It's more what I get from you is like joy and fun with how you dress yourself. Like you, it's almost a, a childlike ish quality in that like there's a dressing up nature to it of like what's going to be fun to wear, um, which is so rare to see. Yeah, it shouldn't be that rare. Sometimes I put a coat on. This is the thing, because I don't really have any boring coats, particularly not warm ones. Like the warmest ones are the faux furs and all of those that are, you know, ostentatious, whatever. I sort of, uh, I forget that other people see that as unusual and are quite happy going about their lives in drab, gray, brown, horrible things. He says wearing all black today. and um, I think that's such a, a shame, really, because I don't I genuinely these days don't see it as like I'm making a statement. I want people to look at me. I'm just like, I like to look at it. I enjoy it. It's pleasing to my eyes to see someone in things like that. And so when I see it to buy and wear myself, it's just uh, it just makes me happy. So that's all it all it is. It's not about um, wanting to sort of be glam or make myself the center of attention or anything it's just literally i want to wear it it's it's more that and so sometimes it is annoying when you know you wake up and you just think i don't actually want to speak to anyone today but i do need to go to asda but it is cold and then you go oh the only thing i've got is this multicolored fur coat <laughs> so that's what i'm going to have to wear that to asda because i don't have anything else and so inevitably someone will come up to me, even if they don't know me off the telly, they're like, oh, I like that coat, or why are you wearing that, or whatever it is. And it's annoying. When you were growing up as a kid or a teenager, do you remember having an item of clothing that you just didn't want to take off, that you that you loved? There must be. I had a thing, actually, um, which I never wore, but... Um, oh, what was it called? I forgot what it's called now. Uh, basically, it was this jumper... Uh, it was like a striped jumper. I think it was red and white. It's called the Swinger. That was what it was called. <laughs> and I used to, I used to listen to um, "I Should Be So Lucky" by Kylie Minogue, and I used to swing the swinger around, and it used to come with me everywhere. I used to love having the swinger. Um, and yeah, mum and dad gave it back to me recently as a birthday gift um, in like a box. They'd found it, so I've still got the swinger. So that used to come everywhere, but I, I never wore it. It was always just to swing around. And like the sleeves got really mucky because they were constantly hitting the ground. But So what was it, sorry? It was... Like, literally like a... Like, um, I think it was red and white striped jumper. <laughs> but like a thin jersey, not um, not like a kind of wool or whatever or cotton. And um, yeah, that was the swinger. I love it. <laughs> that is... Um... And who... <laughs> Who could see me becoming this strange man in adult life? <laughs> um, as a teenager now, was there a, a trend that you um, that you basically you've tried to pull off over the years, but it's just not happening for you? I always wanted to have hair like Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, because he. W- uh, I've got blonde hair. People say it's ginger, but they're incorrect. And I always <laughs> wanted to get the, um, you know, the uh, the curtains. The curtains. But I don't McDonald M's. Yeah, but I never quite managed it. Um, I don't think there was anyone else. I think it was literally Nick Carter I wanted to, um, <laughs> um, to emulate. Do you remember his song Crazy Little Party Girl? 
No, I don't. That sounds sinister. Um, yeah, when you look back, it, it doesn't. Uh, there's lots that doesn't stack up to that. <laughs> um, I like that you went for Nick and not not the older boy, Aaron. Uh, was Aaron older? Oh wait, hold on. No, who was the older one? Nick was the older one. He was the one in the Backstreet Boys, and then Aaron Carter was the little upstart whippersnapper that came in and. I think he got a track on the Shrek soundtrack, if I remember He right did, here. and I, I do apologise. It is actually the younger Carter who did Crazy Little Party Girl, um, singing about another uh, eight-year-old, okay. I think, in a sexual manner. I apologise. Um, <laughs> well, that's isn't that fine if you're a child talking about another child? It's not, is it? It's not fine. Well, not when it's been written by an adult, no, <laughs> I think. No, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So many rules, it's hard no, to keep I, up. No, I fully concur. I agree. <laughs> so when you were a teenager, what were the big trends? And do you remember dipping your toe into any of them? What were the big trends? So I, when I was growing up, so when I was about 11, everyone had a pair of Adidas poppers. And I lent into that because we went on holiday to Turkey and my dad got a load of knockoff ones. Um, and then when I was sort of like 13, it was the trousers with a skirt attached. They were very big, very big in North Wales. Oh, wow. Mm. I remember FC UK came in and everyone wanted, there was a big excitement about wearing the FC UK top because it was so naughty at the time because everyone's <laughs> like well that that's a different that's just a wrong spelling of a rude word <laughs> and I know that this lad at my school he was really keen on getting one of these FC UK tops and um asked his mum to go and buy one but he wasn't the smartest kid and his mum obviously wasn't the smartest either and he came in in a non-uniform day with just the top that just said fuck off on it <laughs> 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 and we were like that's that's not the brand, actually. That isn't the brand. Uh, it's just really sweet. There was, I, there was, because because the whole po- you're so right. It was the like, oh, nod, nod, wink, wink. It's it's nearly a swear word, sort of like, will they won't they mm. swear on their t-shirt thing? And I remember on Shangheveni Market near me when I was growing up would sell knockoff ones, um, but they would like take the innuendo out of it completely because it would just say FC UK up the arse, and it's like there's no mystique there. That's just <laughs> <laughs> just too strong. <laughs> that is the sort of thing I would love to wear. Though. I love a shit slogan. Oh my god! I just bought a hat which has been dispatched, hasn't arrived yet, and it says on it. I just saw it on eBay, and I couldn't not buy it. It says, "Women want me, fish fear me." <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. It's so exactly me. Um, I can't think of what corner of the internet you were knocking around on to get that in your targeted ads. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously doing something right there. <laughs> so you talked about not enjoying being in a school uniform, sort of like how restrictive it felt. Did you have a rebellious phase then? No, this is the thing. I've, I've sort of made this discovery um, only recently that I consider myself to be uh, recalcitrant. I'm anti-authority. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like um, people in positions of power and, um, uh, you know, F the police and all that. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Although I think the police do a good job, but you know, I just generally like people in suits. I don't like. Um, however, um, I'm also very well brought up, and I'm very polite, and I'm very agreeable, and so uh, I am in this sort of weird middle ground where I'll often go along with stuff. So I never really rebelled in what I wore, or uh, you know, I always wore my uniform correctly at school or whatever but I quietly despised doing it and didn't respect any of the teachers who wanted me to do that. So, and I, and I, and I, I, I in later life, I still do that. I still kind of go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Oh yeah, that's a good idea when I'm being kind of given advice on creative stuff or whatever. And then inside my head, I'm going, I don't agree with any of that. And you have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but because I'm polite, and I'm really well brought up. I just go, yes, yes, no, I agree. And I think uh, that's bad, really. I need to get used to sort of telling people the truth about um, how I actually think about things. So um, so I, I was never actually rebellious, even though every part of me wanted to rebel. I was too, um, uh, I suppose I was too scared, really. Mm. That's, um, I, I think I resonate with that in that I have a huge problem with authority drilled into me by my father who yeah is is very much like that but at the same time would hate to get a bollocking at school and ultimately want to do well and be thought of as being an achiever and polite and nice and all those things so that's in you know but you're i have a beating heart of of a rebel that also wants to like fuck the system and things <laughs> yeah exactly and so i it's um it's hard to square that circle, isn't it? I think it's stand-up is a really good place for someone like that because you're essentially allowed to say whatever you want as long as people are finding it funny. Mm. And so rebellion is encouraged in those spaces. Um, and that's... Uh, whereas actually going into something like TV or radio, you're um, podcasting slightly less, but in TV and radio, you're sort of cajoled and sort of made to fit a bit of a mould. And as I say, I'm, because I'm so polite and agreeable, I'm quite good at doing that. Um, whereas actually a lot of the time, I probably should be doing something else. God, it's got deeper than I realised. This is a, I feel like I'm on a career, um, careers meeting at school. You know, <laughs> what should I do next? I am. Um... Oh, I should be an arsonist, yes. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask you about like sort of your current style. So, so when we first met, you were at one of my very first gigs. I think first sort of like fifteen gigs. It was Keith Lee, the Cricketers, and um, you were opening, and I was one of the middle oh, ten yeah. spots. And you were wearing so. So my first Joe Lysa image is you've got I'd say shoulder length blonde sort of waves, very tousled sort of like almost like you know when people like put salt spray in their hair to get that look that's what your hair was like and you had mm. um sort of i sort of studenty jeans um but you had i remember mm. you had sort of like a i remember the top half in particular being full of textures being quite femme quite light fabrics and you had like a scarf that you wore like a kind of a flowing kind of like silk scarf and I was just like, God, I'd never seen anyone like you inhabit a comedy stage because you know, from watching loads of comedy and then starting to do it, it would just it was men who looked a certain way. So seeing you inhabit this yeah. space that felt really um, 
kind of gender fluid as in like it felt like you were playing with all those conventions as well as playing such a playful way on stage with your material and and I was like oh wow and then but that isn't that isn't maybe the essence of your style is there now but that isn't how when I think of you now it, it you don't look anything like that no. but was that the start of your style journey must have been, look? yeah, I suppose it must have been. I think at that time, I'd really started to get into a lot of queer icons. Uh, but I was also at the same time interested in, I thought Russell Brand was very interesting in the way that he presented um, his visual image. I think he's less interesting now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the big hair and all that. But the the, the queer icon that I was really um, fascinated by and continue to be was Quentin Crisp. And he I was, was going to say he he was yeah. uh, well, I mean far more uh, um, stylish I would say and exaggerated than I was. But I particularly love that scarf uh, vibe and that sort of um, I liked billowing things and things that sort of were uh, flowing and whatever. And I did uh, and still do feel like women's clothes or clothes that are uh, made for stereotypically made for women. Um, are just a lot more fun and, and have a lot more, um, uh, do a lot more with shape and uh, explore more of of, um, of of that kind of thing. So yeah, I was definitely always into that. Um, so yeah, d- um, I think that was that was definitely me exploring how I could kind of. Uh, that was a form of rebellion, I suppose. It's strange when I think about what I was like on stage back then, and and as you say the the nature of the environment I was going into there weren't there weren't people like me on the, in my head now I feel like because we've progressed so much in such a short amount of time and there's so many queer and like brilliant bold people on the circuit now but actually there wasn't at that point and you had people like uh Alan Carr and Graham Norton and um I suppose people like Scott Capuro and uh so you had sort of gay men uh who were doing stand-up and doing it in interesting ways but um queer and sort of gender fluid and that kind of thing wasn't really a thing was it no i think only eddie i think she was the only one sort of oh of course eddie yeah yeah but but again in in a different way because i think eddie's looks on stage she's always been really strong and authoritative you know like kind of strong spiky heels whereas you I thought was about softness and feminine and lightness and 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 it's a completely different area because softness and lightness and texture and 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 that playfulness is not something you see on a stand-up stage even even women then were hard and to the point and you know yeah to own the space but that's always been useful for me because I appear soft and I appear um, gentle-natured that uh, when I'm not that, it has a power that I think you don't get otherwise. And it, I, my opening line always uh, used to be for a long time about being bisexual. So I'm bisexual, which means I can and will fuck all of you. And that works <laughs> because I'm so not th- non-threatening, you know, I'm so not somebody that <laughs> would like, I'm going to fuck you kind of, I don't have that vibe. And I think that's... Um, it's a really fun thing to play with, really. <laughs> um, do you consider makeup part of your outfit or your costume? Because I know I also remember you you paint your nails a lot, which again is something that's like playing with what is what we expect in terms of gender. But is that something? Would you 
do you paint it and then go, I'll just leave it? Or are you like, oh, I've got an outfit, let's do... And it was one nail for a while as well, wasn't it? Could have been. The the, the painting the nails thing, I, I think I tried once for something. I, I can't remember why, why I did it the first time around. And I remember being being very aware of my nails from that point on. I felt very exposed by it. And then I thought that was interesting that just a simple change like that could have such an effect because obviously I was anticipating people clocking it and disagreeing with it and being cross about it. And so that made me want to do it more. And so I never did it particularly for the fashion, although now I like to do it um, if I see something shiny or like a really fun colour, I'll do it because of that. But essentially it was just to piss people off and it still is really. Um, <laughs> but um, but also I bite my fingernails and it was a really good way of stopping me from doing it. So I did it really to kind of, both to kind of um, antagonise um, idiots and also um, <laughs> and also to, uh, to to stop myself from biting my nails. I haven't painted them for a long time, actually, and I have bitten them to bits, so I should probably do it again soon. Yeah, work on a layer. Treat yourself. Mm, I will. Um, I, you, you're saying about shiny. That's another thing I associate you is is a is an item or items of like a, a statement thing. I remember for a while you wore a long like gold whistle. Was it a oh, whistle yeah. that you used yeah, to wear on stage? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh, you've, you've remembered big... so much about me. I, I feel like I don't know myself. <laughs> so you, you've, you've got, you've clearly got a dossier on me. No, it just it's it's anyone that I think is interesting, fashion or style wise. I'm always looking at what what they because also like I love I think I think fashion and clothes is play. So you look for ideas to you know magpie, and also it's just I, I'm I've clocked it because I I wouldn't. I wouldn't wear a whistle myself, babes. But I'm like, oh, what? A, there's a choice there. That's really interesting. And yeah, it just is is quirky, and it would be the kind of thing where you'd have to, you wouldn't instantly recognise what it was. So you'd have to ask. So it's like an icebreaker, and also mm. some like amazing rings as well. I've seen you wear, and and yeah, jewellery is something I associate you with. Is that something you have fun with as well? Oh yeah, I love jewellery. I love um, daft jewellery though. I'm not fussed about um, expensive stuff. I like stuff that can is either novelty. So I had that whistle, but I've also got a harmonica and this little trumpet. And the trumpet <laughs> actually I used in my stand-up a, a few times. So stuff that makes a noise or that does something I'm obsessed with. Um, or stuff that's funny. And my favourite necklace still to this day is this necklace I've got from... I bought it in... LA, I think I bought it in this sort of quite quirky little shop, and it's of a unicorn shagging a panda, and it's <laughs> it's a it's a mad idea, but it's really beautifully executed. So all in, it just works, and yeah, that that for me is um, one of my favourites. But I've got amazing rings as well, lots of different quirky stuff. Um, but again, none of it particularly expensive, just stuff that I found that I thought, oh, that's why they put that on a ring. I'll buy that. I, I like animal stuff and. Um, there's, a, there's an artist in Birmingham who I'm friends with called Leon Kitson who makes these um, rings out of pound, like old pound coins and he turns them into rings and I've, I've got a couple of those and I just think they're because they're so sort of brilliantly naff um, which is what he's, <laughs> he's really good at like doing stuff that straddles that line of actually being quite sort of um, high fashion uh, or high art merged with kind of council estate just stuff that he's found. <laughs> and I love those two things sort of jarring. I like that a lot. 
that reminds me i've got a um, ring that i made it so if you get a one dollar bill uh, an american dollar bill you can fold it in a way that it makes a ring where it sits and the one is on the front and i saw one of the strokes had it and i then i think i went on ebay and paid like a tenner for a one dollar bill so i could make my own and fold it and then have never worn it because i just worried about looking like a mad person but it was something i wanted because i love that idea of like you've got a piece of jewelry that costs you in my case, a Turner plus postage and packaging, but you know, like a dollar, like a dollar ring. Uh, yeah, I love, I love that juxtaposition because also you're wearing money, so that looks expensive in a really like gauche way. I love it. Yeah, but it's also, um, I just always love when stuff's kind of surprising. Remember, do you remember like kids would make wallets out of gaffer tape? I remember you used to think that yeah. was so cool. You've made a wallet out of gaffer tape. <laughs> the, you know, loved all that stuff. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I, anything that's sort of um, creative, I suppose, and, and and makes you think of something that you see all the time in a different way. All about that. clothing that you've had for years and years like a like a very old item of clothing that you still love mm. i mean so many of the coats are like that i don't i just keep the coats and cling on them onto them for dear life really um and t-shirts as well i've got a lot of t-shirts there's one and i wish i could remember who gave it to me and they got shut down because they kept making it was a Birmingham uh, artist, I think, who gave it to me, who worked in the stu- in the building where my studio is. And I walked past and he's like, oh, you're Joe Lashy, are you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, my these shirts, do you want one? And I was like, yeah. And it was the Nike tick and it had 0121 on rather than Nike. And so 0121 <laughs> is, the, is the dialing code of Birmingham. We always talk about 0121. <laughs> and I just thought it was so cool. And I, st- I don't know where, it, it, he was doing sort of fake Patagonias where it had the Birmingham skyline and stuff. Um, so, um, but yeah, I love that Nike t-shirt. Um, but they, I, I don't know where they, because they vanished now, I don't know where I'd get another one. So I sort of hold on to that very, um, very dearly. You got a one-off there, a real one-off. I certainly have. <laughs> because it was massively illegal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, there, um, is there an era and um, that you would go back to in terms of fashion. You mentioned Quentin Crisp, who I think of being because the seventies, late sixties, early seventies, was a weird mix of being very masculine, but also the men would be wearing bold prints and lots of like chiffon and things like that. So, but is there mm. an era in fashion that you think you could slot into? No, is my answer to that question. I feel like actually we've never been in a better time. Uh, for um, people to express themselves in... God, we're nowhere near where we should be, but to people express themselves in as an authentic and um, real way as possible. And um, Mm. so if anything, I'd like to go forward in time to an era when it's even more accepted and when maybe we don't use as much fast fashion and we don't piss away so much sort of plastic into the ocean and we've worked out how to... Mm. So, yes, there is an era, and I'd say it's... 2200s 
It'll be done then, won't it? <laughs> just another 180 years and we'll we'll have fixed it. Yeah, I think it'll it will have fixed it or we'll just be it'll be a scorched wasteland, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, it'll be what it'll be. Is that something you think of in terms of fast fashion and, and buying sustainable? Because I know I remember you had a great jumper as well. I think it's from Wolf and Badger with it had a fried egg on the top. And Wolf and Badger are great for using small indie I'm not they're not terribly affordable, but sustainable businesses and you can sort of organise it by sustainability. Is that something that you think about a lot or you're conscious of? Yeah. Well we t- we talk about it a lot on Sewing Bee because um Sewing Bee is there essentially as Obviously, it's there for entertainment, but it's there to encourage people to sew and to make stuff out of things that they uh, have, you know, that maybe they don't use and they can turn into something else. Um, so it is important to me. I confess, though, I'm, I've not been that because I love a coat, whatever. I keep buying coats. I don't ever throw them away, so I've still got them, I suppose. But at some point, they probably will. And, and faux fur, I, I now know, is probably still not that great. Um, even though it's better than fur, it's still quite bad for the environment. So it's really hard to to do, but it's sort of like anything in 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 environmental stuff is that, of course, we should be, as individuals, um, uh, we shouldn't be complacent and we should um, uh, strive to be better, but ultimately it won't change until the huge multi-billion dollar companies that profit from a T-shirt being... 30p um mm. stop stop doing that and i don't know how we get around that really um but yeah it is it is something that really um worries me the way the environment is treated as it should worry everyone and i think it worries a lot of people so um mm. yes I think everyone's conscious of it now you know even if it's colloquially i think people understand when they're that even if they make a joke about it if they're buying a t-shirt from Primark or wherever Tesco or whatever, and it's like a, a a quid. They people will pick up knowing like there's a cost here somewhere. Whether I'm not seeing it on the label, there's a cost somewhere. I think I think even you know kids and and people who wouldn't have thought about it before have, are are moving forward. But you're so right. It's um it's not the consumers who need to fix the problem, is it? No, um, it's really hard though. And actually, I don't buy other than coats. I don't buy clothes really. Um, I'll buy new pants when they've fallen to bits and that kind of thing. But I generally, <laughs> things will be bought for the TV shows that I do and I'll hold on to them and I'll use them in beyond. So um, I'm very fortunate in that regard that um, I, but I, I, don't, I don't like throwing out uh, stuff that I've worn on TV shows, or whatever. I like to kind of hold, either hold on to it or donate it for charity or whatever, because um yeah, it can just be so wasteful, this industry, for, for mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Is there, um, do you have an item of clothing that you can put on and you just feel amazing straight away? That you're like, oh, I feel great in this. I think it's, I might have, can I put it on now? Oh, I'd love for you to put it on right now. Um, can you see me? Oh, yes, I can. Yes, please. Oh, I love it. Isn't that amazing? It's like a, in the nice possible way, it's like a Yeti. Yeah, it just makes it's, me so happy. And it's so warm. It's, um, oh. It's, is it, that's sort of what they would have had on the end of um, Afghan coats in the 70s. That sort of like Mongolian wool, is it called? The, the long um, yarn stuff? Yeah, that looks amazing. 
Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, of course you feel happy in that. Let me tell you what it is. It's reclaimed vintage. Don't even know what that means. Ooh. Oh, it's mainly plastic. That's good to know. But it's reclaimed vintage, so that would have gone in a landfill somewhere and you're now striding around in it. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I did get told off by a woman who lives around the corner from me who I never met before this day and I was wearing this coat and um, she's called... Well, she's called Linda, I now know. And um, I was stood outside the wine shop buying some wine and she was on the other side of the road and she went, Is that real? And I said, no. And she said, you shouldn't wear this anyway. And... Um, I went over and had a chat with her because uh, I was walking the same way as she was. And she's really nice. She she uh, speaks to the afterlife. So she had a word with the afterlife for me and said that um, I'm going to have a nice life, but I will have some health issues, but they won't be um, fatal. So that's good to know. Um, but yeah, she, she had... So you're living forever? I will live forever, she told me. So I will live to see that era of fashion I was asking about. But um, <laughs> she did say that she didn't want me to wear this anymore. And I don't want to defy Linda because I really liked her. I mean, I've literally met her that one day and we just had a chat when we were walking back to our respective houses. But um, but I love it so much, Kiri. Um, maybe you can wear it at occasions you don't think Linda's going to be present at. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's the argument, because I know some people don't think you should even wear animal print in that it encourages the fur trade. Was that her thinking? I think so, yes. Mm. But then you could say, yeah. oh, don't drink oat milk because it will encourage people to drink yeah. milk. I, I put a, pon a picture of myself in a poncho up on Instagram and it's leopard print and it's made from um, recycled uh, bottles pulled out of the sea. Um, and this girl was like, I can't believe how unethical your poncho is. And I was like, it's it's plastic and she's like yeah but you're encouraging people to use fur and I was like it's made out of recycled bottles I'm trying my very hardest here but yeah. it's um it's it's can feel kind of impossible sometimes to do the right thing can't it yeah well that's the that's uh one of my big issues actually with um uh righteous social media users is that often they go for someone trying their best and maybe as they think not getting it quite right and rather than going for the clear enemies of uh, whatever issue it is, I've had it in terms of sexuality where like I've uh, at one point I and I don't believe this. So it was just me misspeaking. I said both genders rather than uh, all genders whilst talking about pansexuality. And somebody was like, you're not a true pansexual. We're the proper pansexuals. And I was thinking. I'm not the problem here. I mean, you can, you can spend loads of energy having a go at me, but I'm really trying my best here. Whereas there are lots of people not who you could really easily pull apart on this. And you probably should, because they're the, they're the bad guys. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. But then they probably knew about your um, how, how you really make your money, which is running gay conversion camps, obviously. Yes, but that's such a good payer, Kiri. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to pay for those coats somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's reclaimed vintage. What is your relationship with shopping? Is it something you find fun? Is it something you even find time to do? Is it online? No, I hate it. And I used to hate going to places like Top Man because they were always so judgy and I would never fit into anything. And they'd always be like, mm, we've got some stock in the extra large in Milton Keynes and look at me like I was a piece <laughs> of shit. And I just think, oh, you go oh. fuck yourself. I look forward to being served by you in a shell garage in 10 years. I, um, 
I was so annoyed about the way they spoke to me. Um, so I'm really wound up today. I don't know what's happened. I have too many coffees. Um, I've just found some pistachio in this coat. Um, no, I don't like shopping. I don't like people in uh, fashion shops particularly. Uh, I even find shopping online to be really grim because it always has to be, well, it doesn't have to be, but you end up on places like, if you're looking for something specific, you end up at Boohoo or ASOS and they're always, um, what, you just know when it comes in the bag that it's just been packed by a, a dying child somewhere. Um, so <laughs> I always get, get really sort of depressed by the whole thing. So no, shopping isn't something I enjoy when it comes to um, clothes. Um, it's not it's not fun it's um it's sad that isn't it and i uh, you were like you know you said earlier that you weren't as bigger as when you were younger because you're in terms of sizing and things like that is that another strain of it it been like being someone who wasn't automatically fitting into the you know a top man medium that adds another strain to the situation is that fair yeah yeah well it's just clothes weren't designed for bigger people in all of these high streets. They're getting better, but the way they treat bigger people in fashion is um, just appalling, basically, isn't it? And um, <laughs> yeah. and and it's all it, it's sort of um, it, it amazes me that it's taken this long for them to work out that most of the people they're selling to aren't the size of the people that they present as. And I know it's aspirational in their minds of like you'll feel like this model that hasn't eaten for five years, but uh, you won't. You should feel like you feel like whatever. That's not, it shouldn't be aspirational. It should be, uh, it should be honest, I suppose, but like it should elevate the position you're in in, in different ways with colour and shape and style. It shouldn't be about making you feel thin and that being the only goal. It's not... Um, yeah. It's not it's not right. No, you're totally right. That I hadn't even thought about that as well, that so much fashion is geared towards the feeling they're trying to like when they're like, you will feel a million dollars. What they actually mean is you will feel thin and that is the same thing. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, um, yeah. So you mentioned earlier charity shopping and thrifting, I guess, if we're being very cool. Um, are you a charity shop fan? Like, have you ever got anything really good from a charity shop that you, that you love? Well, that cardigan that everyone hated came from a charity shop. So <laughs> I love that because of the, um, the uh, discomfort it brought to many family members. Um, <laughs> beyond that, I don't think I've got much from charity shops, you know. I think it is, um... oh, did I get one of the coats? One of the first furs, faux furs I got. Yes, the the, the first, faux, first, first faux fur. Wow, that's a tongue twister. The first faux fur I bought was from a charity shop and it was this black, um, massive thing with huge pockets. And I wore that for a good few years and that made me very, very happy. reconcile your like na natural playfulness in how you dress yourself and like even even today when you're in your like sweats you've still got a fun shoe you've got a very bright trainer on and some purple socks mm. um and uh, the hat of a millionaire of course um, <laughs> but i 
because <laughs> on sewing bee it works perfectly because you are one of the rare cases i think only you and joel i can think of where i'm excited to see what the male host is wearing that like oh it's going to be a fun thing and often it ties into the theme and it's just really it's your sense of fun comes over beautifully in your wardrobe on sewing bee really beautifully um but how that fits with other programs because with them um, joe lice has got you back you are it's a consumer rights program and like there's so does it have to speak the language of that i've normally that's you know it's a suit and it's quite you know I, you wear jackets on that and is that a nod to the genre you're working in yeah it is it's a bit of um they're always slightly mad jackets in studio they're always you know a bit more sort of straight laced but in my kind of more camp way um but on on the ground when we're actually going to these companies I'm often dressed in, I'm fairly sure I've worn this coat in that series. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but also I'm dre- like when we did like the story with Hermes, for example, uh, where they we found that they were selling, Hermes, the parcel company, were selling undelivered parcels in auctions uh, in from an auction house in Birmingham, which is absurd. So we bought some stuff and returned it to people. But I then went and took our findings to the, head of Hermes UK, dressed as Hermes in a massive parcel that we took to the... Um, <laughs> I was delivered to him. Uh, and um, and so I love dressing up for that because it's it can make the point, actually. So, um, so yeah, uh, so it, it, it's not a serious... Weirdly, that programme is, is a kind of pure hybrid of serious and not serious at the same time. And I think... I think most of the time we straddle that line pretty well. But um, yeah, I, I'm always looking for the way of essentially taking the piss out of the story that we're doing um, because that's where the most fun is and often where the most impact is, weirdly. So it is about kind of turning up in a massive coat. And my favourite thing when those things happen is when you get the employees, this happened at Hermes and this happened in other offices where they all rush to the window and they're like, fucking hell, it's Joe Lyson, he's dressed as Hermes or he's dressed in a massive coat or whatever. <laughs> and they start taking pictures and they're all excited. And then somebody in senior management, it always happens, it takes about five minutes, suddenly the shutters are down, back away and go from the window, stop taking photos, because obviously they can't be seen to be enjoying their own companies <laughs> being piss taken out of, so they have to sort of retreat. And I love that because I'm like, you'll be waving for about three minutes. Here's the manager. See ya. It's like it's really quick. It's really it's really fun. Um, so often the outfits are good fun for that because it's something they can film from a distance. Um, yeah, really fun. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's um. Your your style now feels like really, I think really clear. Like you know, you could I think someone could go out shopping and be like, oh, this is the kind of thing Joe Lysa would wear. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because there's a sense of fun to it. Do you see your style evolving more as you as you get older, or do you think like this is me now? This sort of like flourish and 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 this funness is going to stay. No, I think it's evolving. Like I I I really like. I bought a coat actually, which um, uh, last year or the year before, which was like a big puffer thing. And I love those big puffer coats. And they're like cool young people are wearing the big puffers. Whereas they wouldn't, a lot of the cool young people wouldn't be seen dead in this. Um, <laughs> so and I do have a real, I, I love the aesthetic of, of kind of grime musicians and hip hop and 
cool trainers, uh, you know, hoodies, uh, that kind of vibe. I essentially want to be the Drake of the comedy world. So um, <laughs> I, I can feel myself leaning towards that. And I haven't worn jeans for ages because why would you in a lockdown scenario? So I'm really into sort of slacks and joggers these days in a way that I didn't used to be. So I'm definitely, things are definitely evolving. The problem with me is everything I wear, I end up in the garden in it because I never change before I go into the garden. So everything in the last year that I wear, like these trainers were a, a much lighter colour than they are now because they're <laughs> now covered in mud from my garden. Um, so I think I'm going for hip hop grime gardening chic. Yeah, okay, sort of like a, a Monty Don <laughs> meets a grime artist. I, I can't. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> you saved me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I think I've seen the coat you're talking about. Is it the red and black one? And it's got sort of like, it's like floor-length puffer jacket. Yeah. Uh, the it, reason I stopped amazing. wearing it is because it is it is amazing. And it says BHM on it, which I thought meant Birmingham, but actually it stands for Boohoo Man. And then I did a story on my show about Boohoo where um, they were essentially, because of the speed at which their staff were meant to check the clothes, they don't check the clothes and they put them back on sale if you return things without checking them. And we tested this by buying some clothes, putting, soiling them ourselves with various condiments, uh, <laughs> sending them back to Boohoo, getting a full refund when no questions asked, and then rebuying the same things with literally our condiments still on them. So like I'd put Nutella oh into God. some into like a play suit, I think. Then we sent it back. They gave us a refund. I then bought the same play suit and the, the literally the play suit with the Nutella in the crotch came from Boohoo. Oh my God. So I felt like I should probably stop wearing massive Boohoo logos. Wrapping the brand. Yeah. <laughs> when I go out. Um it's so so your gorgeous coat that you've worn, your statement coat, is that is that an item you can see yourself wearing for the for the rest of your life? I know you're talking about your style evolving, but is there anything you own now where you think, oh, I'll always have this, I'll always love this? I hope so, yeah. I, the only thing with this coat is um, it'll probably start to get scraggier and scraggier. Um, and also, you know, if I bump into Linda again, I'm in real trouble. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, I'd like to think I'll keep wearing it. Although I wore it the other night, we had a bonfire and it smells very bonfiery. I might have to get the Febreze on this, actually. Yeah, it's very oh, smoky. Because yeah. once the smell gets in that fabric, it's possibly there for life. Yeah. Well, it is in. It's quite deep, isn't it? It is in. <laughs> I, I once bought a rain mac from um, Hill Indoor Market. And I, it was like, you know, one of those old women ones where it's a plastic Mac with like polka dots on. I was just thought I was being subversive. So I was like, I'll buy one of those with these old women Macs. And um, it smells of egg and chips for two years solidly. Like when people would come into, <laughs> they'd come into my student room and be like, what's that smell of my, it's the Mac. And I, I, I used to shower with it on and I couldn't get the smell out. It, yeah, so it really stuck. It's it's fine now, um, but it got to a point where I just couldn't fit in it. So I was like, by the time it stops smelling of egg, I had to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> God, um, yeah. Oh, that's grim. So, um, are there any um, trends that you're hoping never come back? No, as my friend Alexa Chung, who I've <laughs> um, actually only ever met once, and she uh, she didn't ask me what my name was. Um, uh, as she, as my friend Alexa Chung says, and never say never in fashion because you'll be wearing never in two years' time. And I just think that's the best quote ever 
<laughs> uh, final question. Is there, what outfit would you be buried in? Oh, that is a... I mean, just because I love a snooze, I think it would have to be... It would have to be something that I snoozing. I'd li love to be buried like under a duvet with nice <laughs> cushions and all of that. Just like a you know bed bedtime forever, forever bedtime. <laughs> but with, maybe with one little flourish that's sort of a bit partyy. So if yeah, I don't know. Like so a, you mean like a duvet that's tucked in around you, but it's actually a twister mat as well. One of those duvets. So there's lovely. still a bit of party. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's the one. You've got oh, it. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> um, Joe, thank you so much for chatting. What a um great chat. You're so just so interesting and I yeah, I love I love seeing what you what I'm so excited when there's men to, on television that we can be excited about what they're wearing as well. Um, oh, well, thank you. Important as well for especially as being like a a queer guy like for for young queer kids to see someone having fun because you so outwardly have fun mm. in what you're wearing and I think it's so rare to see that I think you, what you're doing is having really important silent conversations with what you wear. Well, that's very nice. I don't. I, I never sort of think of it like that. But um, now you've said that, I will, and I'll think that I'm really important. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Oh, Joe, I think it is so lovely that you can see his sort of daft streak extending to every part of his life. Obviously, it's in his comedy, but it's in his socks, in his fried egg jumpers. Um, I just think it's it's so great that that spirit, that, you know, of, like, cheekiness that you can absolutely see in his wardrobe. I think it's fantastic. What a nice chap. As soon as I recorded this episode, I knew who the small business I wanted to shout out should be. So this is something I do every episode. I love small businesses. I love how passionate and innovative and sustainable they are. And I'm, like many others, trying to move away from chains and fast fashion. Um, so let me shout about this small business. So to celebrate Joe's penchant for a delicate piece of statement jewellery, I would love to introduce you to Claire Hill Designs, a Welsh female-owned business who not only makes amazing pieces of affordable demi-fine jewellery, she also does more for any other small business and freelancer than any human I know. She's always championing small brands. That's how I found loads of the, like, the places I shop now is through Claire. So... Her range is defined as demi-fine, so it's made with a gold, I'm going to say this wrong, vermeil, I think it is, V-E-R-M-E-I-L. Um, don't ask me to re-record it, Joe, because I'm going to wear my ignorance on my sleeve here. Um, okay, so it's made with gold vermeil, and um, so it means that it has a silver base and a gold plating that's five times thicker than normal gold plate. Now, the idea is that it's much higher quality and it's made to last, and what is more sustainable than having something for the whole of your life. Um, speaking of, as well, all the pieces come with a year-long guarantee, replating options, care guides, fixing service. And she's just starting a new scheme as well to buy back your silver. So this has all been a massive overhaul for Claire. She's always made gorgeous jewellery. And I've bought my agent some. I've bought my sister-in-law some. I've got some beautiful pieces. Always get compliments for them. Um, and I just was having such an interesting chat with her recently that she's being like, 
be the change you want to see and just changing how she works her business to make sure that it's making the world a better place and not taking away from it. So all Claire silver is certified recycled and every gold piece has a recycled silver base. So reusing and recycling silver actually helps close the loop and then that gives silver a new life. Now, the factories that Claire works with only use ethically sourced gemstones. That is incredibly rare. Uh, and also she's starting to use lab-grown stones and diamonds too, which I think is so exciting. Grow everything in a lab. <laughs> Let me start eating meat again because it's grown in a lab. Let me wear loads of diamonds because it's grown in a lab. Yes, please. Claire works with two factories based in Thailand. They have high standards of staff welfare and pay, no child or forced labour and proper working hours. One is a member of the Responsible Jewellery Council and the other has been audited by Intertech as well. All this stuff is like... It's so rare to go to, especially a jeweler's website and find all this information. Like, I haven't even gone to Claire on this. This is all there. She's really transparent. She's written long blogs about this stuff. It's so interesting. So these factories have a high female workforce, many of the women in management positions. That's what we like to see because it doesn't matter if all the women are on the shop floor. You need them running stuff as well. So between both factories, they've got schemes like on-site childcare, education scholarships, paid for COVID vaccinations for staff and have set up charity funds and services for families in need. Incredible. And Claire also uses a family-run factory in Shropshire uh, for a selection of the chains and a plate in Hatton Gardens in London. Look at her jewellery. There is a beautiful birthstone range. They're just really like I guess modern classics, the phrase, right? Um, And I'm absolutely going to treat myself to something from her new shorthand range that's coming this month. So she's got these beautiful pendants with shorthand. She's got a selection of words on there. Um, And they're just so nice because I've got a similar pendant to it, actually. The the, the noise you're going to hear is me looking up to the side of me, seeing if I can see where it is, but it's on my other jewellery stand. Um, And I always get compliments on it. It's like a beautiful disc. Um, So I'm going to get one of those. Exciting. Um, Now, we've had an email here that I want to share because I think it's absolutely bang on where I want this podcast to go to because I love making this podcast. But I um, and I think the conversations are worth their weight in gold. But I also think the bigger meta conversation that we're having with it is so important. And I think from having other podcasts you can genuinely grow a community and I think that the community that listens to this podcast will be very uh, keen and helping and hopefully moving forward doing some stuff together so dear Kiri first I'd like to say what a fabulous listen who are you wearing is oh god girls I could have left out but I didn't (laughs) I've followed so many new business pages because you view and your guests it brings me so much joy love it my friends are a little bit amused as i now ask them what they'd like to be buried in i see it as an important part of our friendship progression absolutely mate and um, now she says i was wondering how i would go about utilizing the wyw hive mind i'm looking for a designer or a creative person who can reimagine some of my clothes i've many sequined and special pieces of clothing that i've had for a long time and unfortunately don't fit my current body shape. I don't want to sell or give them away because I love them, but I know realistically that they are never going to fit again. I would like to find a person that would be able to work with me to create new pieces out of my faithful old clothes. Can you help advise me on how or ask your followers if they have any recommendations? Thank you in advance, Melanie. Guys, what you got for us? We have a guest coming up who specializes in this stuff and has made something for me. 
I chatted about it on an Instagram live I did last week, which loads of you were there at chatting back, but maybe we should do a specific one about this. Obviously, we've got Makita's great tip about taking stuff to dry cleaners, her often tailors, but it's it's more than that, isn't it? It's it's creating something new out of what you've got. It's not just sort of taking it up or even putting a panel in. Um and I think we've got just the guest on the horizon in a couple of episodes for you. But I would love to hear from you guys because this is right up my street as well. So you can get in contact with us on Instagram at who you wearing pod or you can email who you wearing pod at gmail.com. I'm honestly I'm so interested in this. I would love for this podcast to be part of a community that manages to fold sustainability into loving clothes and style. Um, and we've got some great guests, like I say, coming up in that vein too. And I also think that last week's episode with Keita really spoke to people too because obviously the big focus on second hand and alterations Madeline said um, I love this one so much and I want to go clothes shopping with both Kiri and Makita love this podcast can you imagine what a day out that would be I'd be um oh my god I'd be in heaven if I ever find myself doing that I'll know I've been sort of like had some terrible accident probably just slipping in the bath or something uh, <laughs> um and yeah that I'm in my heaven and Helen said uh, of that episode, fabulous episode, especially the passionate love of the Chazers. Absolutely love a Chazza, mate. Although this is an interesting point. Lucy says, my seamstress charges a fortune. Being five foot one means I have to get everything altered, which adds an average 25 quid to every garment. I need to learn how to sew. Interesting you say this, Lucy. Preach. I've talked about this um and that Insta Live as well, that I did from a cupboard. I really want to learn how to sew and just feel a bit more empowered to take the reins in adapting the clothing that I've got. And I get the impression lots of us are feeling like that, especially in the new year. I've sought out a couple of local things to me in North Wales. There's like a, a group called Textiliae um, who offer different kind of courses. And I think they've got, I've heard they've got a sewing machine one coming up. My friend, my dear friend, Rachel Fairburn, future guest on this podcast. Um, we've already recorded the episode. It's a it's a belter. Um, she wants to do the same as well. So guys, if you know of any like sewing-y things, I'd love to hear from you as well. I'm not very good because of how I learn with just like an online course. Maybe I need to sit down and persevere with some YouTube tutorials, but... Um, the old ADHD doesn't make that stuff <laughs> very easy for me. And um, so, yeah, I would love to hear from you because it feels like lots of us are on the same page with this. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. And please now um, go straight away to where you get your podcasts and give us a nice review. I think we deserve it. I think it's a really good series. And if you give it a nice review, more people find it. So thank you <laughs> and that was me trying to be assertive and then immediately backing down and feeling embarrassed and um, next week you guys have the pleasure of earwigging into a chat about clothes and fashion between me and one of my style icons quite frankly lolly and a see you then is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mary Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production. <laughs>